Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertical Podcast. Glad you could join us. Late night post-lottery edition. I am joined in studio by Adrian Wojnarowski, the editor of The Vertical, and Jonathan Gavoni of The Vertical and DraftExpress.com. We cover everything from the Celtics and the Lakers in those top two slots. What are the Sacramento Kings going to do? Philadelphia, what does it do with its pick? All your bases are covered here on this podcast. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it. Head over to Apple Podcast, give us a rating, post a comment. You know I appreciate it. That's it. All right, let's go. Joining me on the pod this week uh, from The Vertical, Adrian Wojnowski uh, from DraftExpress.com, uh, Jonathan Gavoni. I feel like, guys, we should warn people ahead of time in this podcast that uh, we're a little jumpy. It's been a long day. Uh, recording this late at night after the draft lottery, after going over to the Yahoo Studios for uh, uh, to record some videos that are going to be up at the uh, thevertical.com Uh this should just come with a disclaimer that, that things could get a little that bit... This is going to be awful? Is <laughs> this, that what you're saying? No, it's going to be great. Oh, okay, it's just going to okay. have like its moments like, I don't know, chewing, I guess, perhaps in the middle of it. Uh, well, thanks for sticking up and, and staying on a really join me here, guys. Uh, let, let's start at the top of the draft in, in Boston. And, you know, I mean, it, it, being in the conference finals, getting the number one overall pick, that just doesn't happen uh, with teams anymore. John, start... Tell me, the number one overall pick, to you, is there a clear consensus number one guy in this draft i think if you did a survey of all 30 teams 
Most of them will tell you Fultz, but not all of them. I think that there's enough talent in this draft that you're going to find differing opinions, which is which is great. That's the nature of the draft. Uh, it really depends on what games you've been to and you know what style of players you like and that kind of thing. I think Fultz is a clear-cut one, but I think Lonzo Ball is really good too. So I, I think you could go either way, honestly, but I think that the, the Celtics have to go with Fultz. Woj, uh, I mean, so many kind of layers to you know peel back when it comes to to this pick. Uh, and, and let's start, I guess, with Isaiah Thomas. If it's Markel Fultz, he's a point guard. Same position Isaiah Thomas played. Isaiah said all the right things up until this point, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know this isn't something that he would he would be happy with. How big an issue do you think this is going to be with the Celtics and Isaiah? Well, I think it becomes Chris a bigger issue when Isaiah doesn't get his contract renegotiation this summer, uh, when the Celtics don't use their cap space to give him a significant raise and extend his deal the way Oklahoma City did with Russell Westbrook, the way uh, Houston did with James Harden. And so when he when they don't do that this summer, because they're going to hold on to their cap space, um, you know, right now Boston's plan is to go after Gordon Hayward. Now, we could get to the draft and... Gordon Hayward by then could have thought maybe, I think I want to stay in Utah, and that message will get to Boston, um, and maybe Boston goes another direction in terms of looking to do a deal at the draft. Um, but odds are Gordon's going to go into free agency, and Boston's going to make a hard run at him, and they're not going to use that space on on Isaiah. So now they draft a point guard. He doesn't get his extension. Everyone's talking about the number one overall pick. And here's Isaiah, who's wondering, what else do I have to do to uh, for people to see me as the franchise guy is, and all those things. So that's going to be an issue, and a big part of it is going to be how Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens sells the, how they sell this to Isaiah, and they'll do a great job of that. D- Danny's good at this, and I think if it's going to be more, hey Isaiah, Fultz is coming in to compete with Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier, that we see you guys playing together on the floor. Uh, Fultz is a big guard, a big guard with a big wing, you know, a pretty sizable wingspan. He's a very different player than Isaiah. Um, But, you know, we see it in the league. We see it in Portland where people wonder, well, how's CJ McCollum going to play with Damian Lillard? They're both point guards. Well, in this league, you just take two good guards and you put them on the floor together, and, and they generally figure it out now. Um, so I think that's how they sell it to him, but the number one overall pick is the number one overall pick. It's not two, it's not three. People expect the number one pick to play and have the ball in his hands. And this is a challenge the Celtics are going to have to, they're faced with. John, what about the idea of of playing Fultz and, and Isaiah Thomas together? I mean, how compatible do you see those two players as being? I think they're very compatible. I, I, Markel Fultz has played significant minutes in his career off the ball, he can do it. I mean, he, he's a very good shooter. He's got a great feel for the game. He's very unselfish. And Isaiah Thomas has played big minutes off the ball as well. I mean, these are not two guys that need to have the ball, need to pound it, and can only play one way. They can both really shoot it. Markel Fultz is big enough to play small forward. And I, we've seen the Celtics go with these three-guard lineups at times with Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, and Marcus Smart even. So I don't see why 
you can't have Fultz fit be one of those three guards and there's going to be a transition for him to the NBA. It's, I mean, there's, it's a different deal being drafted to your typical lottery, you know, top five bad team where you can just go and winning doesn't matter. Going to the Boston Celtics and competing for a championship is a totally different thing. And he's gonna, he's got some things he needs to learn, especially on the defensive end. And and how to you know how to be a winner, and I think that's where Boston can really help him. I mean, when's the last time we've seen a team in relative championship contention? They're in the Final Four now. Have a pick that high? You go back to the Lakers getting Magic Johnson. They were an elite team. You know, Boston has a deal with Golden State where they draft Kevin McHale and they bring Robert Parish in, in a trade. Uh, for for Joe Barry, Joe Barry, I was gonna say Joe Barry cares. Great <laughs> nickname. Peter yeah. Vesey's one of Pete Vesey's great nicknames, right? Larry Legend and Joe Barry cares, but Joe Barry Carroll, and so now that's the '80s, and and of course, you know Boston also had the pick. They had the Len Bias pick at a time when they were, you know, a, a championship contender at number two overall. So, uh, but for the most part, we haven't seen this uh, because of the Brooklyn trade of how a player like that, usually they're coming to a really bad team, they get the ball in their hands and they go, and it's not going to be that way for Fultz. He's he's not taking over at 19, 19, 20 years old. He's not going to be running the Celtics day one. I think if you asked uh, every player in that locker room that's playing in the Eastern Conference Finals that – uh, you know what they'd want you to do with the pick, and they'd say, we "Want you to trade the pick? We want you to get a Jimmy Butler. We want you to get a Paul George. We think we're, you know, we are a Final Four team right now, and we think we're closer to a title than you think we are." Um, how does this affect that trade landscape, Woj, with the names that we've heard connected to Boston for most of the last six months, Jimmy Butler and Paul George? I, I think in this NBA landscape, it's really hard to tra- trade a top two, top three pick financially uh, when you have, you know. You've got cost control over those players for several years. To flip that guy for a max player or player at the payroll, um, you got to believe you're getting a really, really good player there. I think for Boston, again, you go into, and it's true for Boston and L.A. here at the top of the draft, it's just very, very unlikely they trade either of those picks, whether it's going to be Fultz and then Lonzo Ball, potentially number two. Uh, the two great players available, potentially, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, you know, if you're going to trade for Paul George in Boston, first of all, you think you have a great chance at Gordon Hayward. You can just sign him this summer. You don't have to give anything up. That was on Boston's mind at the trade deadline when they were deciding, you know, I was told when they were deciding how much they would offer for either Butler and George, the question that came kept coming back in Boston was, what do we think our chances are getting Gordon Hayward? We'll just sign him into our space. So, um, that's for Boston giving up a bunch of assets. They're not in this position where they've got to go all in right now. They don't. They have a. They could potentially have the number one pick again next year with Brooklyn. So uh, they don't have to take chances like that and go at the draft and give up a bunch of assets to get Butler to get George. And the question with Paul George is going to be, if Indiana does decide to move him, if he tells Indiana, hey, guys, I'm either I'm not coming back next year or I'm not sure, like, I haven't decided and I, I don't think, I can't make a commitment to you. Uh, anybody who's going to trade for Paul George wants to know one thing. Can we re-sign him? And Paul George's camp is more than likely, unless something changes between now and tr- around the draft, uh, 
Paul George's camp is going to tell them, don't trade for us. Um, don't trade for George because he's going to be, uh, when he's a restrict, unrestricted free agent in 18, he's going to the Lakers. You're not resigning me. And so I think teams are going to be very leery of giving up much of anything for Paul George. And, um, you know, Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, again, I think Chicago's in a position where they can ask for, they're going to ask for a lot for Butler. And, and it, again, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for the Lakers also to trade for Paul George where they know he can walk right in in 2018. Why do they want to gut their team of assets when he's just going to walk it through the door in free agency in 18? John, let me ask you, because you said that uh, there are some executives out there that, that see it as being, you know, they're, they're more in the Lonzo Ball camp overall. Mostly Markel Fultz, but Lonzo Ball's got a few. In the hypothetical of playing with Boston, um, you know, Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas, does that make any more or less sense than Markel Fultz does? I think Fultz makes a little bit more sense, but I think Lonzo is a candidate as well because he's shown that he can play off the ball as well. And there are a lot of people that who actually think that he might be better suited playing off the ball because he's um, he's not a guy that you really want playing a lot of one on one. He's not an isolation scorer. He's, he he doesn't have a lot of juice off the bounce. He he's got amazing timing and he's a great ball handler and he plays at different speeds and he he does a tremendous job of pushing the tempo and finding open guys and just getting you into your offense early and finding open shots. But he's not a guy that you really give him the ball at the end of the shot clock and say, go make magic happen. And that's where having another guy next to him like an Isaiah Thomas could probably help him. And so, or D'Angelo Russell at the same time, you know, I mean, that's where if you draft Lonzo Ball, if you're the Lakers, you don't have to trade D'Angelo Russell because they can really play together. Yeah. And here, here's a question, Jonathan. If the Lakers got the number one overall pick, I think all along we've all felt with L.A. that they love the story of the UCLA kid, the Southern California kid. Um, I think Magic sees, I think Magic Johnson sees in Lonzo Ball, a guy who transformed uh, a program, a team there. The comparison is more J.C. does remind you of Jason Kidd in lots of ways. How difficult would it have been for the Lakers at one to pass on ball if they were at one? I think, like you said, most teams are probably going to take Fultz at one. But I think the uniqueness of L.A. and that L.A. story um, makes it, I don't know, I just, I, I just think it's really hard for L.A. To, to have passed on him if, if they could have had anybody they wanted. Here's my question mark about the Lakers. How big is their scouting book on Markel Fultz, and how big is it on Lonzo Ball? Obviously, him being a hometown guy, that helps, but most of these teams are scouting these players back to when they're 15 or 16 years old. They're going to Adidas Nations. They're going to the FIBA tournaments. They're they're watching them. They're gathering intel. And the Boston Celtics probably have, you know, 5,000 pages written on each one of these guys. Whereas the Lakers, how much do they actually have? I don't I don't know. So what are they basing that decision right. on? Now, Rob Palenka, their general manager, I, I don't know how much Magic has seen Fultz. By the time Magic got the job... In L.A., the team was pretty far. I mean, they, their season was almost over, wasn't it, at, at Washington? But Rob Palenka recruited Fultz as an agent um, going back to last year. Like any agent, when you when you have a potential number one overall pick, you know, agents are going to get involved early in a high school career. So F Palenka was involved with Fultz. He was very familiar with him. You know, he knew the people around him. Uh, 
he had seen him play. So in that way, whether he spent a lot of time with him at Washington this year, he until the day Rob until the day Rob took that Laker GM job, he was very involved in Fultz's recruitment as an agent. So it does give him, you know, a, a sense he has seen him and been around him. And so, uh, but you know, I just I just think the Lonzo, I think the ball story and the narrative. Um, is is just going to be hard for the organization to pass up. I think they've been targeting him. I mean, what a, I mean, what a big night for the Lakers just getting that second overall pick. I mean, you could. I was in the drawing room with Palenka, and it just looked like the weight of the world came off his shoulders. Well, well, Rob, here's the thing too. Rob kept saying, and I saw Magic said it on the stage. And whenever I've talked to Rob in the last few weeks, and I'd bring that up, and he's like, "We're going to be fine, whether whether we win it or lose it. We're going to be fine. We're still like." It's going to be what it's going to be, and they they try to. I think if they did lose it, to not have the story be that the Lakers have been decimated by this, that they could sort of try to keep some momentum um, in in what they're doing. But there's no question, the stakes were so high for them. It changes, it gives them so many more options and speeds up their rebuild. Uh, just keeping this year's pick, and then it, obviously it triggered them keeping the 19 pick. 2019 first round pick they may have to attach it may not be one of these high draft picks but it might be another young player when they want to get off whether it's timothy mozgov's contract or luel deng's contract which will be even harder to get off than mozgov's they may have to attach a young player or a draft pick to it to sweeten the deal to get a team with cap space to take that on and if they had lost this pick this year in 2019 they wouldn't have been in a position, I think, to do that. Now, I think they have some more flexibility to just use it as a sweetener to get contracts off. And the Lakers' focus is completely on 2018. Paul George and that class of free agents. And so this allows them not just to draft here high up and get a really good player, but D'Angelo Russell probably becomes expendable with all this. So Philadelphia, John, sitting at three and... You know, not a good night for the Sixers because they didn't get that Laker pick that would have given them a second lottery pick, but they did have the swap that they get inside uh, that top three. I mean, they they claim that Ben Simmons is going to be a point guard for them next year, but is it is it risky at all given the depth of the point guards in this class to to pass up on a De'Aaron Fox or or any of the number of guys that are still still sitting there after uh, Fultz and Ball are off the board? Well, I just don't know if Fox is an option for them with. The, have little shooting they have on their roster. I mean, if you're going to surround Fox with four shooters, at least three, he's going to have a good chance. But you, you know, you put him next to Ben Simmons, um, you know, Darius Saric, who you know has improved the shooting, but still, it's it's not a natural stroke. And you you wonder, you know, I mean, are you gonna are they just going to go under on every pick and roll? And can Ben Simmons even play without the ball? I mean, that's that. Those are big question marks. They've been telling him, been hyping him as a point guard, and so then you draft this guy who can't really play off the ball because he's not a good shooter. And Darren Fox, he does so many other things so well. I think it's I think it's a really tough fit, and it puts them in a very difficult situation where you know what they everybody thinks they had targeted this guy in Malik Monk and do they have to now reach for him at three do they are they going to be able to trade down when everybody kind of knows what they what they want to do um it's um it's an interesting situation that they're in right now yeah they they have in Philly I mean a couple things you know Brett Brown when I talked to him right at the end of the regular season I went down to the 
Sixers facility and, and had Brett on the podcast, and he could not have been more emphatic that he is going to he he is going to go the distance on this experiment with Simmons as a point guard. And he said, and I don't mean point guard like Draymond Green or LeBron James, where they're handling the ball. And I mean the ball goes through the bat. This is you know the ball goes through the basket, and you come back and get it and bring the ball up. That's what a point guard and and so he said. Now that doesn't mean. I'll never come off of this, but I'm going to give it a chance. And so uh, I think they're pretty committed to trying this. I think they're very committed to trying this in Philly with a six foot ten player. And as Jonathan said, they need shooting desperately on that team. And that's why I think J.J. Redick from the Clippers is a significant target for them. Uh, They have the cap space to go out and pay him you know, what's going to be market value, Brooklyn, the Knicks are teams who have interest in Redick. We'll see how far they're willing to pay. Uh, but I think, you know, Redick gives them, at least in the short term, a guy who can come in and, you know, start to space the floor a little bit and gives them the reasons they wanted Manu Ginobili last summer. Besides, I think, besides, I think Brian Colangelo, um, and that rivalry they've had with the Spurs for a long time. They threw a huge number at Manu Ginobili. They, they wanted they wanted Manu to come in and be a mentor, be a veteran, and, and teach these young guys about winning, about you know all the things that a guy like Manu brings. J.J. Redick brings all those things. And, and if they lose him in L.A., it's more than just his shooting and, and uh, the kind of player he's become. He, he impacts a locker room and... And I do think for Brooklyn, for New York, uh, for Philadelphia, that, that that's a big part of the appeal of Redick. So, John, if it's not a point guard at that spot, is there a player that makes sense? I think they really have to look at Josh Jackson and they have to bring him into their gym and figure out how far away is this guy from being a good shooter because the last three months of the season, he shot close to 50% for three. And so if you can get him some good looks and um, you can continue to develop you know his, his stroke I mean the NBA I mean not everybody comes in as a finished product and so how amenable is he to you know changing his shooting mechanics and working in the gym people say great things about his work ethic and he really does everything else I mean he's a phenomenal defender he's a great passer he's outstanding in tra- transition you can play a lot of different positions you can play him off the ball um, you can play him on the ball a little bit even so there's a lot there with Josh Jackson. I think they need to look at him. Um, NBA guys that I talked to at, right after the lottery said they think Tatum is going to be a target. Jason Tatum from Duke. That's a that's a tough one for me because he's a guy who is you know he's a mid post isolation scorer. He you know he kind of fancies his game after you know Kobe Bryant, Demar Derozan. He wants to go to work in you know uh, playing one on one. And I just don't know how how well that fits with their existing personnel. <laughs> You're listening to the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. All right, hang tight, guys, for a second. I got to tell my listeners about the art of shaving. God knows I hate shaving. I only do it when I have to, and I hope that's as infrequently as possible. When I do it, I only use art of shaving products. What is the secret to a well-groomed guy? It's the art of shaving. Founded in New York in 1996, the art of shaving has been helping guys look their best for over 20 years. The art of shaving has your total routine covered, whether shaving, beard maintenance, hair, skin, body, or fragrance. The art of shaving's award-winning products are formulated with the highest quality botanical ingredients featuring pure essential oils. There's four elements 
in that perfect shave. They've been created to deliver smooth results every single day. You start by prepping your skin with that signature pre-shave oil, then create a thick, foamy lather with a shaving cream applied with a shave brush, shave, then replenish the moisture with their aftershave balm. Finish off the perfect shave with one of their five new fragrances. They're great. Each one smells terrific. The Art of Shaving offers a convenient replenishment service that allows you to save on your favorite products while never having to worry. Here's how you get it. Our listeners will receive a 15% off their first order and free shipping by using the promo code MANIX. To get this offer, go online to theartofshaving.com, use my special promo code MANIX to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Visit theartofshaving.com for this special offer or for a consultation with a grooming expert, step into one of the many retail locations near you. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. So, watch great night for Boston, great night for LA, not a good night for the Phoenix Suns, a team that, you know, look, let's be honest, brazenly tanked at the end of that season to try to get themselves in this position. They wind up at fourth and, you know, who knows who they can grab there. I mean, that's that that looks like a, a pretty big body blow for Phoenix, no matter how you look at it. It really is. And and they'll they'll like Jonathan said, I mean, they'll get a good player there, but they were really hoping, I think, to be able to get, you know, even if they got to two and could have gotten one of the great playmaking point guards. Um, you know, they need to continue. They Listen, Marquise Chris uh, showed a lot of promise in his rookie year. And you forget, they had two lottery picks last year, and one barely played, Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender was the youngest player in last year's draft. In fact, I think only by a couple of weeks may have, would have had to have waited to be in this draft. Jonathan has seen Bender a lot more than I have, but I... I'm a big believer in Bender. I, I just think he's so he was so young and and you know certainly got injured and, and lost a good part of his rookie year. You almost have to look at Bender almost as another pick with them coming back. And they've got with with Devin Booker, with Chris, with Bender, they've got really good young talent in Phoenix. They really do. Um listen, certainly they would have loved to get, I think, one of the point guards. Uh, and then decide over time what to do with uh, Eric Bledsoe. But uh, for the amount of tanking they did do last year, they didn't do it with the idea of getting number four, and, and that's where they are now. John, what do you think about Bender? Um, what Were you as high on him as, as Wojcik? Yeah, I think Bender is a stud. I think that he's he's a very interesting player to have in this new age NBA because he's 7-1 and he can guard so many different positions and he also has a, the, the three-point shot and he's a very good passer too. He can, so if you play him as kind of a, you know, depending on how his body evolves, I see him as a, a face-up five down the road and him and Chris and then you have Booker um, and you, you're going to add a really nice piece. I know that maybe Phoenix fans are a little bit depressed right now, but still, the fourth spot in this draft is not a bad place to be. You're looking at Josh Jackson, you're looking at Jason Tatum, you're looking at De'Aaron Fox. Those are three very, very good prospects. There's no guarantees that one or two are going to, you know, I mean, you look at past drafts and there are many, many times the guy that goes four ends up being the best, you know, the best or the second best player in the draft. So I think they have to take a really hard look at De'Aaron Fox. I think he's a very interesting fit with what they have going on right now. And I think Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum, very, very good consolation prizes. And there's going to be a lot of trade interest too. I mean, and this is a, this is a, you know, this is a team that probably needs to win right now. And so 
they're going to have some attractive options thrown their way on the trade market. I, I think Phoenix, with this core and, and whomever they add in this draft, Ryan McDonough has been pretty good in the draft, very good in the draft um, through his tenure in Phoenix. They have a chance to me to start to resemble the kind of group that Utah put together over time now. I don't think Earl Watson is Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn Snyder is an elite coach, and I think Quinn was perfect to develop that group. We'll have to wait and see what Earl's going to be as a head coach. Um, but I think the pieces they put together in Phoenix have a chance to develop into that kind of a group. But will Robert Sarver have the patience to see this through with his management team? I, I think they've they put together good talent there. They're going to get another really good player here now. Um, but this is a this is going to take time. I think probably the worst thing that happened to Phoenix was that first year, Ryan McDonough's first year, where they came within a game of making the playoffs and and I think sped up their rebuild. And, you know, looking back that um, maybe it wasn't the best thing for them long term, but but uh, th- there's really a good young core there. So uh, Sacramento's still getting beat on trades, even ones they made, you know, a couple of years ago, the the, the swap rights with Philadelphia. The, you don't think you don't think that space they created for Marco Bellinelli and Costa Kufos was validated tonight? I, I, I don't, don't think so. Lottery, probably not. I, I don't think it was. Uh, but but they sit at five, and, and the Kings are you know, look they're the gang that can't shoot straight. I mean they they added Scott Perry to that front office. We'll see what he adds to it if he can provide at least some measure of stability there because it just didn't seem like. They just didn't act like a serious franchise the last two drafts when it came to, you know, preparing and, and drafting the right guys. And I think it's been borne out over the last couple of years. But, you know, John, when we did the videos earlier tonight, you you seem to think that if De'Aaron Fox is on the board for, for Sacramento, that, you know, that that's almost a no-brainer there. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I understand the pessimism around Sacramento, and there's a lot well earned. You know, yeah, there's there, there's a lot to criticize there, but they're sitting here in a very good draft with the number five and the number ten picks, and you know they've got some interesting young players in their roster too. So I don't know if they're going to make anything of it, but there's there's some reasons to be optimistic if you're a Kings fan. So um, I mean, yeah, Fox would be a tremendous addition at five. Uh, you know, like Woj said earlier tonight, there's always a guy that falls, you know, out of the top 10 to 10 that could be, you know, that people are surprised by. So they could walk away on draft night with two really, really good pieces. Where, where do you see, and I don't know if you gauge draft picks in this way, but like impact players, I mean, the tier system in, in draft, do you see, where does the tier kind of end? You know, I assume Fultz and Ball kind of at the top in, in one tier, but that, that sort of secondary tier, where does that end for you? Four or five, depending on who you talk to. I mean, it's more of a positional thing with Fox, but uh, four or five, I think, is where the first, the second tier ends. And then probably around 10, possibly 11, depending on you know what you think about uh, Zach Collins and Frank Natilakina. So... Uh, I think they're in a really good they're they're in a really good position, and um, you know they're gonna they they're gonna have some options uh, on the trade market as well. The team to me that'll be interesting to watch in this draft is Portland. They've got three picks, yeah. And if they see somebody that they want up in the lottery, they may have a package. You know, you look at Sacramento and they say, you know, do we maybe trade down ten and jump out? We get Fox at five, 
and maybe we get two picks. So I wonder if if Neil O'Shea sees somebody in this draft or up in that lottery that he doesn't package. I'm not sure that Portland wants to bring three rookies to camp next year. This was the youngest team in the playoffs, one of the youngest teams in the leagues in the league this year still. Um, but I think they'll be poised to, you know, maybe be aggressive and jump up in the lottery if there's somebody, you know, that um, they think is a difference maker. Where do you see? Go, go ahead, John. Uh, historically speaking, once you go, go out of the top 10, it's a total crapshoot. And mm-hmm. so if you're going to trade down out of that 10 spot, you better be really sure about who you like, even though, you know, pe- this is a deep draft. People like this class. There's just too many big guys in that 11 through 40 range. I mean, how many? I mean, Sacramento has a couple of interesting young big guys already. So I don't really know what how much more there is out there that I would trade down for. But I mean, you never know. We've seen teams do it before and, and end up with 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 two good players. I remember Denver a couple of years back um, traded McDermott, Doug McDermott, for Gary Harris and 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 Yusuf Nurkic, and that ended up you know being a heck of a trade. So it can it can be done, but it's um, it's tough. I got one for you, Jonathan. I was in here with Gary Harris earlier today. Trivia question for you. Michigan State, first round, one Michigan State lottery pick in the Tom Izzo era. Only one. Who was it? Adrian Payne? Nope. Early. This dead air is really helping the podcast there. (laughs) I don't know. Jason Richardson. Wow. Oh, yeah. Before, that? before my 10, time. Yeah. yeah. How about that? I don't know. Pain I thought it was Like 16, I guess. You'd think a guy like Izzo would produce even more than... Well, it's just... But it's funny. If you redrafted in a lot of those drafts, you take them all in the lottery. Zach Randolph, Gary Harris at 19, you know? Should have been Miles Bridges this year. Miles Bridges would have been one. You know, Woj, Woj mentioned the, the three first-round picks that uh, that Portland has. I mean, let... let you know, let's assume they hold on to those picks. Is there the kind of depth you think in this first round where there's a lot of quality in those kind of ranges? Not really, honestly. I think it's. Um, I mean, there's going to be good players to come out of that range, but I think it really starts to to get dicey after like around 15 or so. So I'm I, I I'm a little bit uh, pessimistic about that. You know, that group. I mean, there's some guys that I like in there, but. Um, too many bigs, too many projects, you know, not nobody's looking for bigs in the NBA right now. A lot of those guys are going to get lost along the way. And there's, you know, there's some red flags with a lot of those guys in that group. So um, I, um, you know, not, not a great crop of internationals, too. And that's what, you know, is taking some of the... Of of the allure out of that out of that group for me, um, you know, Jonathan Jean had a great combine. I think he's moved himself into that mix, a seven-two French center. But um, I think it's um, you know I think the second round is where I see a lot really the depth of this draft. Well, the Knicks are are, are sitting in that kind of uncertain territory. There, uh, eight. I was at eight, right? Eight overall. And you know, you would assume that. You know, with the the decision, whenever it happens to move on from Carmelo Anthony, whether it's a trade or for, or, uh, or just waiving him, um, that they'd start to the process of building around Kristaps Porzingis in the same way that the Denver uh, is trying to do with Jokic now, and other teams have done with their franchise players. I mean, is that do you get the sense that's the philosophy in New York now that that a lot of this is going to be tailored towards Porzingis in the future? <laughs> well, if they ever can get him to come back from Latvia, <laughs> I think they'd like to. 
Um, but the problem with the Knicks franchise player is he's not real happy with the franchise, mm-hmm. and and rightly so. Uh, he, he he's got serious issues with how they do business and how they have how they coach him, how they run, how that locker room is run, how um, how they play together, and. You know, Chris Stapps has gone out on his own and and talked to some veteran players, like really good elite players in the league, about what he should be. What do I need to do to be a franchise player? What what do I need to be conscious of around my organization? And and he's gotten some some pretty good feedback from guys, and he doesn't see much of it with the Knicks. And so before they start building around him and putting pieces in place. To me, listen, I get it. Chris Epps didn't show up for the exit meeting. Phil Jackson and Steve Mills never should have let him get on that plane to go back to Latvia for the summer without going to knock on his door and talk to him before he left. Or they should be on a plane over there now. That, To me, never mind who they draft this week, they need to be getting him back on board. And I don't think right now Chris Epps' plan is to come back and work with them this summer. He'll be there for training camp. But that organization, before they talk about building around Chris Stapps, they need to go reach out to him. This is a kid who came in, and Jonathan spent a lot of time with him overseas. I got to know him uh, in a shorter window before the draft, and I've never been around a more earnest, just determined, uh, do-anything-you-ask-of-him as a young player. And the level of cynicism that he's got in just two years in that mess over there, is should be an awakening for everybody because you can keep putting this on Carmelo and everybody else, but the fact that a player like this who wants nothing more than to be great and to lead, play for the Knicks, win in New York, and he looks around and says, "This is not an environment for that." When you have a general, when you have a president and a coach who can't agree on a system, they have a coach who's running a system he doesn't know how to run, and Jeff Hornacek, the triangle, uh, and all their off-season conditioning and work and drills are built around running triangle drills. It's, you know, obviously the pick's important, but but they, um, they've they got to make this right this summer. Um, and I haven't seen the Knicks reaching out yet to, to get that done. John, they're, they're, let, let's just look at that pick, though, for a second. There are certain things that we, we kind of know about the Knicks. Porzingis is going to be there. They're going to run the triangle. When you look at the guys available in that eight range, is there, is there a guy or guys you think makes sense in that mix? I mean, it really depends how, you know, if, are they drafting a player to, for the triangle? Because right now we have Dennis Smith there at eight. That, that was our early read on that. He's not a triangle player at all. He's a pick and roll player. And he's, he, I don't know if, uh, you know, in terms of the Phil Jackson, what, what he's looking for in terms of, you know, mentality and all that being unselfish and you know sacrificing i'm not sure if that's dennis smith to be honest with you but dennis smith is an unbelievable talent i mean you put the ball in his hands and he's going to make things happen he can pass he can handle he's a phenomenal athlete uh so do they pass on that in favor of frank natilakina who is you know six five combo guard from France who he doesn't have a lot of juice off the bounce not a reluctant scorer very good defender very you know unselfish player but 
is he the guy that is really going to get the Knicks out of the mess of a situation that they're in right now? Jonathan, you, you mentioned Dennis Smith. How impactful do you think it's going to He doesn't have an agent yet. And he's going through, as far as I know, and his father's kind of trying to guide him through this process. He didn't go to Chicago. He wasn't at the Combine. Um, I'll be curious to see how he handles. This is a player who needs some, he needs to get, uh, you know, coming from that NC State program, coming from a guy whose effort and intensity people see as being up and down. He's got some things to overcome in this draft. I mean, this time last year, he, we were talking about him and Fultz maybe being one, two, three, you know, in, in that range. And he's sort of sliding. And if he doesn't get the right handling between now and June, I think he's a guy who could slide further because he needs to be packaged a little bit and rebranded. And I'm not sure he's going to get that until he finds someone who gets some advisement that's going to help him, you know, just sort of rebrand himself a little bit to teams. You're right. I mean, the question is, how do you balance that with the obvious talent? And so how far does a guy like that slide until you start to say to yourself, this guy can really, really play? I mean, am I going to pass on him because, you know, he doesn't have an agent? Um, He does need an agent. You're right. He does need someone in his corner advocating for him and also you know, just presenting him the right way and, and, and getting the story straight, you know, like preparing him for interviews, having the right answer to you know, why did you lose so many games in NC State? Why didn't why did it look for half the season like you just didn't care? And, and and then also getting him into elite shape and getting him ready to go into these workouts against some of these other elite point guards and positioning himself to get drafted as high as possible. We, we saw Ben McLemore with not a good agent situation a few years ago, a player who we all thought could be, you know, you know he was, uh, you know, a late bloomer out of high school, went to Kansas, um, was not in shape for his draft workouts. I think he got physically sick in Phoenix at his workout. I'm not sure Ben McLemore's career ever recovered from some of the choices he made in pre-draft and, and a kid with a lot of potential. And he started to come around a little bit here in the last year in Sacramento. But um, the, the, I think the decisions you make as a player and, you know, you said you've got to be in great shape going to these workouts. Part of what teams want to do is they want to run you into the ground. They want to see how you react to it. I remember Porzingis telling me about his Laker workout where they're known for just they want to see you tired and dizzy and see whether you keep competing or you quit. And I remember Porzingis saying to me that he, you know, there was a point where he thought he was going to pass out and he thought he was going to throw up. But in his mind, he said, I'm not, you know, I'm going to fight through this. And um, that's how some teams approach this. And if you don't go in a great condition, um, you know, I thought Macklemore was impacted him. And I think Dennis Smith could be in that category if he doesn't uh, get prepared here for this whole pre-draft process. Right. This is why he's not going to go in the top five. Right. But to, at a certain point, he's just he's too talented, talented. to yep. pass up. And so, does he fall out of the top ten? I'd be I'd be surprised. You're listening to the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports the Vertical Podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interest in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. 
With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com slash Mannix. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. All right, let me close with with a couple of things. Um you know, we've talked about Lonzo Ball at the top of the draft. We haven't talked about the uh, what's around Lonzo Ball, that being his father, LeVar. And, and look, everyone said up until this point that, you know, LeVar Ball, his presence, not impactful in terms of drafting Lonzo Ball. Well, do you believe them when they say that? I mean, Lonzo clearly too talented to let slip that far, if at all. But I mean, what are what are teams saying about, you know, LeVar and, and sort of his you know, this sort of encompassing figure that he I, intends to be. I think teams generally think that if LeVar continues this behavior, he will be out of the picture. This isn't, you know, people have compared this to other, to young golf prodigies, young tennis prodigies. We've seen that with those kind of parents. The difference is those players don't have teammates and they don't have locker rooms. And tennis too, that kind of, yeah. you know, the sort of parental I said, figure. I said tennis, oh, said didn't tennis. I? My fault. Yeah. I said golf. Well, wake up. I'm over there. It's late. <laughs> Um, it's late and I'm still hungry. <laughs> uh, but, but I think, though, and I believe this, too, I think that if LeVar Ball continues, if 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 Lonzo goes in, let's, let's say he goes two to the Lakers and Lonzo comes into camp and the father starts trashing D'Angelo Russell or questioning Luke Walton, the kids get, Lonzo's going to have to deal with that every day in the locker room. He's going to have to deal with a teammate who's pissed off. Um, teammates will probably stick up for a veteran teammate, whoever it is. And to me, there's no way Lonzo is going to exist. It's hard enough to go. It is hard enough to get drafted by the LA Lakers and to be the point guard that people are comparing to Jason Kidd or, or Magic Johnson, the great playmaker. All the pressure that comes with that, he cannot do this with his father behaving that way. And I think that if the dad can, if Lavar continues to do that, I would be shocked if he's in the kid's life by Christmas. I don't think a player, I, I just can't imagine a scenario where over eighty-two games, if he's doing interviews every day, if he's going on talk radio, if he's that um, that Lonzo doesn't just step up and say, "Enough, you're, you know, I'm, uh, I'm extracting you from my life." I can see that happening. What's interesting is that the background intel on the situation there at UCLA is actually very positive. You talk to people in that program and they'll tell you that they set ground rules very early on in the season for LeVar on what kind of behavior is acceptable and what isn't. So they told him, you will never come into our locker room. You will not attend any of our practices you will not call the head coach to complain. And so, and to his credit, he abided by those three things perfectly. And he was not a distraction in the least bit in those regards. Now, some of the stuff with the media, I mean, there's just, I mean, people, this whole clickbait industry, I mean, he feeds into that perfectly and he needs to sell shoes. He needs to get this brand off the ground. And so I get what he's doing. I mean, he, I think he's actually 
pretty smart with it. Um, I don't really enjoy it. I would never click on a LeVar Ball article in my life. I mean, I'm, I've, I got sick <laughs> of it, you know, in November already. I was tired. I was over LeVar Ball. But the teams that have done research that I've talked to have quietly come away encouraged by, you know, by how things actually played out at UCLA behind the scenes. And by the way, can I give credit here? Gary Parrish discovered LeVar Ball. He discovered him. I remember reading the story at like an AAU tournament in Vegas years ago when like Gary went and he's like, hey, there's this guy who's saying his kids are going to be the greatest ever. He's got three of them. Like one of them is really good, Lonzo. And the first interview, the first national platform I ever saw LeVar Ball on was Gary Parrish finding him at an AAU tournament. So kudos to Gary. John, I, I want to finish asking you about um, uh, the, the the future of the combine. Um, you know, more and more guys are you know showing up for the interview process, but staying away from virtually everything. Yeah, Kevin Durant recently suggesting that you know all prospects should stay away uh, from the combine. What do you think over the next few years? Does the combine evolve into something else? Does it stay the same? Does the value change for teams moving forward? I mean, what NBA teams want from the combine is the medicals and that's the number one thing that they really need they, they want to know about the long-term health of these players that they'll be drafting are they going to be able to hold up over time are there any you know red flags in their you know f- physicals that they need to be aware of that their doctors need to look at and, and do more research on so the fact that these you know eight out of the top 10 guys in, in my mock draft right now decided not to attend is, is not a very is not a positive and I, I know that GMs have had conversations and meet in the GM meetings for example talking about ways to force players to attend whether it's through tying that to their green room invitation so if you decide not to attend the combine you won't be invited to the NBA draft lottery you and your family which is an amazing thing I, I don't want for example tonight was really weird to me where they paraded these kids in all these guys who skipped the combine they could not wait to invite them to the draft lottery and it's like come on I mean like why don't you reward one or two of the guys that did go to you know the combine throw them in that mix too throw them a bone let you know let them you know one of the two what are you what are you doing here you're really encouraging these guys to to skip the combine i I don't get how they they're not protecting their own draft process in the right way i was told in the collective bargaining talks that there was going to be a provision that attached some that they were going to make the combine mandatory for players as being as part of the union and that what happened was, and part of it was, I think some of the agents recognized it. Hey, they're not in the union until they're drafted. They're not part of the player association. Like we can't mandate them. They're, they're not in the. They're not in the union yet. They haven't been drafted into the league. And the point was that, in that sense, they couldn't really mandate it. They're they're not one. Not until you're drafted are you part of the player association. So uh, you mentioned it, Jonathan, of maybe attaching green room. You know, not being able to come to the green room, but like, what if guys stayed away and then they don't have the players for the show? It's it's a you're you're right. It's a tough situation, and I think from the agents' perspective, they feel they don't have a lot of control in this process. That once a player, especially once a player is drafted, you know, you're, you're on a rookie, you're on a salary scale. Teams, you don't have really any choice where you go. And that they're going to try to control what they can, which is 
not letting their medical information get out to every team. And, you know, what I think some agents last year were frustrated by, you know, when when your medical information for a player, when all 30 teams have it, um, word gets out very quickly about this guy's knee is red flag, this guy's shoulder is an issue. And then all of a sudden they feel like their commodity, their player, you know, is becoming becomes damaged goods almost overnight by – uh, whether it, as if it gets out into the media, teams are talking about it. And so they want to protect as much information uh, as they can and not allowing. And then let's be honest, there's certain teams they don't want to see their physical because they don't want them to draft them. I mean, Sacramento went through that for a few years where yeah. not only the teams did not want to work out for them, they want to keep their medical information away from them. You know, we'll see if that's still the case. I'm not sure if it's as dramatic now as it was a couple years ago, but it was – they were a team where people really wanted to keep their guys away from. Well, Sacramento ended up at five tonight, and now they're going to have access to potentially draft Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Darren Fox, Malik Monk. Uh, you know, all of those guys except for Fox skipped the combine. And the reason why they skipped the combine, you talk to their agents, is well, one of the reasons is they didn't know who was drafting where at that point. They were they would like to see the lottery held before the combine so they know exactly who's picking where and then they can say, okay, I want to do an interview with this team. I don't want to give my medical to that team. There's just too much uncertainty at that point for them to just send their guy out and just hope it works out for the best. And I kind of understand them. I don't understand why. I mean, I love the lottery to death. It's a fun night. You know, We all have a great time there. It's so much, so suspenseful. But why do we need to drag it out for so long i mean the season's been over for a month now more than a month is is there real leverage woge that can be uh, extracted by agents especially in that lottery range i mean certain guys you know you can hide a guy you can tell him to stop working out you can hide his medicals reggie jackson was an example of that from a few years back but inside the lottery can you Wait, really they they Reg, they, Reggie they Jackson didn't work out for anybody. Tucked because Reggie he, away because he had a protection deal, because he had a deal in Oklahoma City. Shocking, is that what happened? Is that yeah? Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I mean, the answer is I, I think no. I think that teams they've seen these guys play. They've scouted if they've done their jobs correctly. They've scouted these guys um, in college or internationally or at, you know USA basketball tryouts. Uh, you know high school all America games where they've been able to go to practices for a week. They've seen these guys over time. And, you know, last year you saw, you know, there were a couple instances where they guys didn't work out or they kept medicals from certain teams. And, you know, typically guys can find, even if you don't have the medical information, teams have enough friends around the league they can get it. I mean, they can get it. And so I think that the days of, you know, really being able to scare a team off of a player – you know, I think there can be some gamesmanship, but I think in general teams take the guy they want to take. You know, John Calipari was scared off of Kobe Bryant yeah. in his first draft because they can they convinced Cal that Kobe was going to go to Italy at eighteen years, seventeen, eighteen years old, seventeen years old, and that he was going to have an empty podium the next day. If you if you draft him, you'll have an empty podium. He won't be there. You know, because they had the deal with the Lakers to be to get them the thirteen and then traded. I don't think that could happen again. I, I just think, like Kobe would have been at the Lakers Nets facility that next day. He would have played for the Nets. He said it after. I don't think um, I don't think bluffs like that work anymore. I mean, Jonathan, I I, I just think uh, t- teams take who they want. 
I agree. They'll, they'll take whoever they want. There's enough info on these guys out there, and they're starting to research them from when they're 15, 16 years old, and they know all the trainers and the doctors. And I mean, the, 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 they study the injury history, and so they'll just, I mean, even if a guy, it's better to take a guy who you don't know a little bit about who's really talented and take someone you know can't play. I mean, they're just, they're not going to do that. Well, fellas, thanks for staying up late. I appreciate you coming in here to do this. Jonathan, uh, all your stuff up on Draft Express uh, from the lottery tomorrow. Woj, everything we did, all the videos up on the uh, thevertical.com. Some of them right now, some of them over the next couple of days. Make sure you uh, go out and check them out, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Adrian Wojnowski and Jonathan Gavoni for joining the show. If you like this podcast, you can check out Archive Podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, give us a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.